Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America coming to us from, quite frankly, an undisclosed location somewhere around D.C. I suppose Brian Brazy, the trucker and uh, spokesperson and co-organizer of the convoy. How are you? Are you wore out yet, Brian? <laughs> Getting there. Doing <laughs> <laughs> good, man. Living the, I'm, I'm just living the dream one mile at a time. Yeah, I don't think you've been doing so good on the long haul in the last couple of weeks, though, have you? You've been somewhat stationary? You, you kind of lost the over-the-road trucker aspect? Uh, yeah, it feels that way. Um, I unfortunately got to shift some gears yesterday, brought my truck down. I guess it was day before yesterday. Kat went and picked up my truck and brought it back down to the uh, speedway. But, yeah, we've been kind of stationary. Um, we go around in circles around the beltway. Hmm. Why did you start this? Well, I, to be fair, I didn't start it. I'm just one of the co-organizers. But um, a group of us basically put this together off of the inspiration of Canada. You know, we couldn't believe that Canada was the first ones to step up and, uh, and, and for their freedoms and, and um, try to put an end to these vaccine mandates. And, you know, it was inspiring. And we decided that, you know, we needed to be doing the same thing. Enough was enough. Time to get back to work tired of seeing our healthcare workers fired um, because they want personal choice because they want the freedom, you know, to make a decision for themselves. And uh, we felt that it was time that we stood up for who the heroes of the pandemic were. And, and um, you know, even though us truckers aren't mandated by it, uh, our communities are, our family members are. So it's pretty much why we, we geared up and decided, you know what, this is absolutely a violation of not only your constitutional rights, but also your God-given rights as a human being, violation of your human rights. And so uh, we decided to take a stand. So I want to talk about D.C. and who you've met with uh, since you arrived, but I first became aware of your involvement when you all were at my favorite pizza shop in America, in Arizona, and I talked to Robert and, and Cat Hall. Um, how do you describe the trip from California out to D.C.? What, what was that feeling like? Because even though you and I have not talked I was kind of following you, and I talked to Robert, and I talked to uh, the guy that owns the, oh, his name escapes me, outside of Indianapolis where the big auction yard is and how amazing that was with 4,000 people there. But I want your emotions and what you accumulated driving across this country, seeing patriotism like we've never seen it before. Oh, man, it was an emotional roller coaster, honestly. Um it started off with, you know, basically not being sure how many people would come out to Adelanto, California, you know, the night before. It didn't seem like anybody was going to be there. In the morning, the parking lot was slam-packed full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was excited. The emotion at that time was excitement, um, ready to get it started, happy that, it, you know, the, a couple of us that helped put it together weren't going to be the only trucks going down the road, you know. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, and well, nobody we would have up, known, um, though, so that would have been no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Other than, uh, you know, yeah. But we we ended up, as the convoy went down the road, it just kept growing and growing. And, and then it started getting to be, you know, like, like tearing up because mm-hmm. you would see, like, 
kids on the side of the road waving an American flag or kids with signs that would say truckers are my heroes, you know, um, it, and, and then, you know, as we progressed, it got bigger and bigger. And, and the next thing you know, we hit, um, Amarillo, Texas, and you can't see a single blade of grass because there's so many people lining the, lining the highway and, and the overpasses, you know, and we pulled in there for a rally and, you know, it was just a meet and greet was all it was supposed to be. Stop in for an hour. We had so many vehicles at that point that it took almost two hours to park everybody before we could even start. Um, and at that point, you know, it, I guess it hit me like, wow, this thing's big. And, and, um, you know, we, <laughs> we really started something here and, I remember, I remember kind of tucking away and actually like throwing up a little bit, you know, just out of the sheer, like, like stress and nervousness of the whole thing. Um, and then that, and then it turned to tears and, and every day since I've cried a little every single day coming across the country. I cried, um, because of just the stories you would hear from people, the letters that you would get, or just, the, just seeing all the people lining the highways it just literally brought you to tears. I, I watched a lot of grown men, scruffy, big, manly men, mm-hmm. just crying uh, as we came across. It was unreal. So, see, Brian, I'm, I'm one of those individuals that I'm not sitting here saying, you got to get something done in Washington, D.C. In my mind, the biggest challenge that we've had in this new level of tyranny, and, and just so everybody knows that listens to my show, that, this is not new. It didn't just happen in the last two years. We've been incrementally losing our freedoms, and now this is the impetus to do something. But the, the most important thing that you have done is that every mile on that journey, whether the people were there or simply watching it on their social media outlet or talking to somebody who was there, every mile of the way, you have inspired people to do something extraordinary and reminded them that they're not alone. And that's the reason we're told to social distance, because in numbers, we make all the difference in the world. So you've already had a success. So what you get done <laughs> while you're in D.C. is just icing on the cake, but you built the cake, and that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've often contemplated over, like, the last two weeks is what is what is the win? What What is – what is it? Like, what – what have we done here? And I've, and I came up with a lot of things, you know, from, um, getting the attention so much so that sitting senators came down to the speedway to see us mm-hmm. having attorney generals meet us on the side of the road to meet us, uh, governors, people running for governor to meet us, um, to having, uh, um, mainstream media continue to try to shut us out, but yet we're still getting out there every day. Um, to bringing that flag that the lead truck has right down into Washington, D.C., um, to, to just the friendships that you've created, the eyes that have opened and people starting to stand up or see the bigger picture. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just even if it's just 10 people in the country, even if just 10 more people in the country become free thinkers, and see the big picture of how important holding these politicians accountable is or or standing up how important exercising your First Amendment right is. 
I'll be happy. How do you feel the discussions in D.C. have gone? I, I think some have been productive and some have been a dog and pony show, you know, for a mm-hmm. lack of a better term. We've had uh, we've had great uh, success with the senators uh, in general with, as far as um, get, helping get the word out. Um, they've helped draw in attention to what we're doing. They've gotten us in front of the media. So in that sense, it's been good, even though you might call that a dog and pony show. But to me, the dog and pony show is really the house members that we've met with have been lame ducks. You know, they, you get a sense that they, that they're deflated and defeated and they literally won't work. They won't do anything. Um, <clears throat> with, and they, all they say is, well, we don't control the house. We can't do anything instead of actually trying to break the mold and reach across the aisle and get something done. And then of course the Democrats are just as bad. They don't want to talk to any of the Republicans. They don't want to talk to us. Um, and they have no no uh, interest whatsoever in reaching across the aisle to work with the Republicans. Um, the House is really a messed up place right now. Our, uh, I mean, legitimately, it is a very messed up place. Um, they do not and will not work with each other whatsoever. I have a better chance of getting meetings with a Democrat than a, than, than a Republican has getting a meeting with one of their colleague uh, Democrats. You know, it's it's absolutely not the divide that's in the house right now. It's such playground uh, theater, like a like a fourth grader, because I know <laughs> really for a is. fact, you know, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin has been a leader in trying to get our freedoms back, and I just admire that guy so much. He was the first one that I saw that was willing to come and sit down with you and talk about it. Well, the minute he does that. All the people on the other side of the playground are like, well, we can't pay attention to them because Senator Ron Johnson just did. My goodness, it's about the people. It's not about these playground politics. Right. And they can't seem to knock it off, though. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like it's it's business like that's business like that's the way it's done there. And you're not going to change it until you just get rid of the people that are behind it. I mean, seriously, it's time to to vote a lot of these people out of out of if if not all of them out of office. Um, it's time to clean the house, literally, because this is normal. This is normal business for them. It, it won't change even at the midterms if the Republicans take the house. The same thing's going to happen. The same exact going to be going on. The Republicans are not going to work with the Democrats, and of course, the Democrats are going to use the same excuse. Well. This is what happens when you don't vote us in. They're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Same exact thing. Brian it's, Brazy, it's the People's Convoy. Quite. We need to take a break. Brian, we'll be back with more rollout after this. Thank you today. Welcome back, everyone. Trent Lewis alongside Brian Brazy. Well, not literally alongside. He's in Washington, D.C. Co-organizer, trucker from Ohio. Despite having some keystone roots, uh, Brian, I'm just going to open this up. Where, where do you go from here? What, what, what's next to accomplish? Because it sounds like you've been doing some serious soul searching on where, where we go from here. You know, I, I don't really have the answer for that today. I, I just don't. I, I think we continue the fight. I, I think that it's important that the fight is brought to the state levels. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's the convoy leaves and starts going to the different state capitals or we get folks in their home states to start standing up. And, and you know, I it doesn't matter if it's a red state or a blue state or an independent state. It, they Every state capital um, 
needs to, uh, every state needs to uh, gear up and go to their state capital. Um, the, the time is now to stand up and let the country know that we've had enough and we ain't going to take it anymore. And, and that it's time to remind them who they work for. You know, they work for us. We're not their servants. If anything, they're our servants. They're our public servants. And they need to be, they need to be put back in line and, and, and shown that that's the way that this country needs to work. They're, they're so disconnected from the people, uh, that, that they, all they care about is their reelection or their campaign. Uh, finances. They, they no longer care about you and I as Americans. And, and it's a sad state. So red or blue, um, mm-hmm. people need to go to the state capitals. So two things I want to follow up on that, Brian. Um, you just made a big statement. And what I heard in your statement is that maybe you did or didn't pay attention to politics, but now that you've driven into DC, now that you have experienced and seen firsthand these playground bullying politics, it just hits you hard because you've seen it up close and personal. You might hear about it. You might hear people talking about it. But now that you've been there, you're digesting this in a whole different way. I can hear that, and I just met you today. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not what I was taught in school, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not what it's not what you were told that the way our democracy is supposed to work, that's for sure. Um it's it's really a sad state of affairs right now. It's disappointing. Um, you know, it's uh, honestly a couple of years back was my first experience in D.C. working with politicians and Mike Landis, one of the other co-organizers. Him and I sat on the steps one night, real late at night. Of the, I know it's going to all sound kind of cheesy, but this really happened. <laughs> it's a, it's okay for truckers to be the, cheesy once in a while, Brian, go, as long as it's cheddar cheese. Go ahead. Well, Mike and I sat on the steps of the Lincoln uh, Memorial, the Lincoln Monument there, and we were looking at the Capitol building out across the, the mall and the reflective pond and stuff. And and him and I both looked at each other and, and basically had the conversation of how disgusted we were with Washington, D.C.'s politics. And that was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess we we both kind of stepped out of the trucking politics side of things for a while. And now we're back doing something that's the American, you know, for the American people or standing up as Americans, not really as truck drivers, but as Americans. And to see that it's even affecting just your basic American. I don't know how to say, I don't mean basic, but I guess what I'm saying is we kind of felt that we were having problems because it was about trucking issues and nobody cared about trucking issues. Now we're seeing that it's that way in our government, no matter what the issue is. Right. And that is, it's like a whole nother slap in the face. Like Mike and I had that night on the Lincoln steps, you know, and, and it's, it's so disheartening. And, and honestly, the only way to change this at this point is to clean house. I I mean, I know that there could be some good folks in the house and the Senate, but we're going to keep continuing to have these problems until we do something about it as Americans. Well, quite frankly, Brian, the good folks in the house and the Senate haven't fixed it. And so they, whether they're good folks or not, they need to go. But I want to come back. There's two things I want to get to, and I know that you are on a tight schedule. You won't be with us in the second half of the program. Um, but the trucker, the resilience of the American trucker, one million trucks a day on the nation's highways at all times, people cannot access what they need without a truck. And, and we're lear- going to learn that real quick uh, if you haven't already. But – they have most people have no idea 
what you as a trucker have been dealing with incrementally before all of this started, whether it be hours of service, whether it be electronic logs, whether it be whatever regulation comes into play to make it actually unprofitable and unimpractical to get the products from point A to point B. And so I'd like for you to just give us a little capsule on, on how that has been building over the last really 20 years in my awareness that you got to be very tough to even to be an owner operator today is practically impossible because of the regulation that a government has created. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's 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 pretty sad. It, it really is. I, um, I, I don't really have anything to say. You, you nailed the where they call it. You, you hit the hammer on the head on the on the head. I think I hit the nail on the head with the hammer. Yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just helping you with your with your colloquialism. All right. The other thing that you have done, which I, is it's right out of my playbook, and it is the answer. Everybody wants to know the answer, and everybody thinks that you go to D.C. and you fix it. You went to D.C. You're not going to fix it in D.C. I'm just here to tell you. But what you are doing, and why it's so vital that you continue to do that, and you said it. You said it straight up. We all need to be inspired at the local level because the fix in this situation, the only fix, is at the county level and at the state level. And then once we get everybody back to what following what this little book in my pocket, the U.S. Constitution says, we take this country back from the grassroots level. What you're doing in D.C. is just inspiring people to do something that they think they're just, well, I'm, I'm not a gifted speaker. I'm not this. I'm not that. Yeah, you're an American citizen go be a part of the system or you're not going to be happy with what you end up with. So your inspiration to get people to do that at the local level is vitally important, and that's the success story. And why it was important for you to drive across the country getting all these people inspired to do something different in Saline County, Missouri, just as an example. Yeah, I mean, coming across like that, I think, sparked a lot of people to open up their eyes and see what's going on and, and give them the personal motivation or strength to stand up themselves um and and i think that even though we're here i guess we'll say at the federal level um the fight really is at the state level the fight is in your local communities the fights on your school board the fights in your city council um you know the fights at the governor the fights at your state legislator um but but what we've done i hope has waken a lot of people up and um and, and gave them the courage or the motivation to also stand up. One last thing that we need to address is um, I'm assuming most truckers are not independently wealthy. You're not getting paid to haul loads, which is your job. How do you continue to survive financially? Sacrifice. Nobody said that we're surviving financially. It's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom line is there's people here that have lost everything being a part of this. I'm, I'm on the verge of it myself. It it takes sacrifice. You don't need the uh, you know. There's a the thing about that the um, you know freedom isn't free. You could say, or you could say that the you know people had said that from time to time the tree of liberty needs to be watered with the blood of patriots. Um, you know that doesn't mean necessarily a, a rebellion and and, and dying. Um, it could mean losing everything as well. And that's what's happening. People are losing everything, but freedom isn't free. And it takes sacrifice 
and and we just have people that are willing to sacrifice it all in the name of our of our freedoms and our and our god-given rights as human beings you know because at the end of the day this isn't even just about being an american this is about being a human being on earth and you know this vaccine mandate that's there is is quite frankly a, a human rights violation on a global scale final thing brian um people always want to contribute and then they worry about whether if they contribute do the people who need it actually get the money oh what's your suggestion on that yeah i mean you got a couple options you could go online to the people's org and donate through there um and and there's a couple ways to do it on on the website um that money goes for the fuel in all the vehicles um, and necessary costs like the porta potties and the shower house and things like that to make sure everybody's taken care of. And then, of course, food if we need to. Um, or you can come down to Hagerstown and you can uh, visit with the people of the convoy and hand them things directly that they may need, whether it's a, a gift card to Walmart or a, a Visa gift card to help them get a hotel room for a night if they need to get a, a, a good night's rest and a shower out of the cold or anything like that. Um, so I would encourage people to come down in person and, and meet these people and give it to them directly um, or go on the website, thepeoplesconvoy.org, and donate to that. There's no blackout in this media outlet. Brian Brazy, anytime you need to get the word out, you got my number. Let's do it. And thank you for your sacrifice and bringing patriotism back to the forefront of the United States. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. We'll take a break. We'll be back with the second half of Brawl Route after this. Details about your involvement in certified Piedmontese using Piedmontese sires on your cows if you're a Great Plains cattleman can be found at LoneCreekCattleCode.com. 